Welcome back to Common Sense Fantasy Baseball. I'm Drew, and I am here with Colin Weatherwax of Pitcher List and FWFB. Colin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for the invite, Drew. I really appreciate it. I am uh, looking forward to tackling some ADP with you tonight. Yes, you have graciously agreed to pick up where I left off with Zach Waxman on the last episode, and we are just going to go through some ADP starting in starting at um, ADP 60. That's where we left off last time. And you and I are just going to talk about some players that we're either avoiding or targeting. Um, the idea behind this is really just for people to um, have some targets when they go into their draft. I know all, people are always wondering, well, you know, should I is this guy good where he's going? Is this a bad place to take him? And unless you really get into the nitty gritty of the, uh, the numbers, you know, doing projections and dollar values and all that kind of stuff, which I definitely recommend people do. Uh, you know, a lot of times you just want to know if, if your assessment of a player is reasonable. So Zach and I had a lot of good conversations about players and um, hopefully we can continue that. So appreciate you being willing to do that. Of course. So anyway, the, the, just to case this uh, you know, sort of experiment, what, what we're dealing with here is 15 team leagues. And I think that's important because values change in different kinds of leagues. And of course, we're dealing with a standard roto format. And so to sort of get this ADP, what I've done is I've looked at the NFBC draft champions leagues from January 1st through today, January 23rd. And so, um, I actually was not looking at just draft champions when I talked to Zach. And so a few players have actually fallen into the top 60 in that format that, that Zach and I didn't talk about. And those players are uh, at 57, uh, Victor Robles, at 58, Hugh Darvish, and at 59, Luis Severino. Uh, so I guess let's tackle those now. What do you think about those three players? Or are you avoiding or targeting any of the three? So I currently don't have any Victor Robles shares. Um, unfortunately, he's creeping a little bit too high for me to want to pull the trigger on him. Uh, right now, he's the 18th outfielder off the board. Uh, like you said, going around pick 57. So uh, based off of my early drafts, I've done about 14 of them. Um, so so based off of them, I usually end up getting you know two to three outfielders before outfielder number 18 comes off the board. So it might be that in this range, I'm looking at a different position, possibly a pitcher, um, before I look at Robles. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy that is going to give you steals. Uh, there is a little bit of projection, a little bit of growth um, projected for him in this lineup, uh, possibly, you know, batting in between uh, guys like Trey Turner uh, and Juan Soto. But he has to earn his keep before he just gets inserted right into uh, the number two spot uh, in the lineup. And also, you know, he only hit 255 last year. Um, the home runs is is 17 from last year. So, uh, that, you know, you probably expect about a 20-30 season from him uh, on the good side. But what kind of average does that bring? Um, and if he regresses at all, does he end up being a guy that's worthy of this lofty pick? I think that's great. Um, not only was that average low last year, but the expected average via StatCast was actually lower. So you said 255, which you nailed, of course. And the the StatCast, if I'm right, was 233, um, mm. the, the expected batting average. So that's it's, it just goes to show. And, of course, I think a lot of people have made some noises about the other StatCast numbers, especially the average ex exit velocity 
just being incredibly low, like bottom of the league low. So it's, he's just not being consistent. Obviously he's had 17 home runs, so it's, it, he can hit the ball hard. He can elevate the ball. It's just a matter of, are, are we going to see him do that more often and make better contact? Because, you know, he could even do a little bit better, hit 20 home runs and yet hit 220 or something. And obviously that would be atrocious. And, um, and, you know, we're getting into uh, Joey Gallo, Revnet Odor territory. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, I am totally with you on that. Uh, I do have one share of Robles that I took early just because um, I think I got him in the fifth round. And, you know, like I was getting him – I got him last year just on a hope and a, a prayer, you know, in the sixth, seventh round and maybe even the fifth round. So I figured why, why not pay that again this year? But the more I – think about it the more i'm like i think i can get those stolen bases in, in sort of a safer uh format so i'm i'm yeah. with you i'm just sort of i'm i, I wouldn't say sort of avoid but i'm 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 not steering into uh victor robles shares and as far well, as oh, well, one of the sorry one of the the last things i'll say about robles is uh, in order to get those steals that everyone is drafting him for, he has to be on base. Um, true. So, so, I mean, he only he only walked 35 times last year, uh, struck out 140. So 35 walks in, in 546 at-bats is, is not a good ratio. Um, and, you know, contrary to what people think, if they project a, a progression for Victor Robles and his steals, well, then they're also projecting a better average and a better walk rate. So, you know, that, that's a lot of hoping and praying that he's going to be on base a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit too much uh, for me to to want to bank on, especially at this high of a price. I agree. I agree. The, the projections seem a little generous, I have to say. But, um, you know, that's just our take. Uh, I am going to say that Darvish and Severino are not really hard gets or avoids for me. I don't have any shares. of. Actually, I do have one early Severino share. I've not gotten any more. And then I'd like to get Darvish, but I mean, now that he's creeping into the fourth round, I don't really see it. But um, I don't have two, I don't have real strong opinions about either of these guys. Um, I kind of do. Uh, so, so you, Darvish, is pretty much the end of a tier for me. And I think that's the, uh, the comfortable ace tier. Um, you know, there, there's a couple guys that are going after him that I would put in that tier. Um, but you know, just based off of the way that I'm looking at it, uh, Darvish is the end of that tier. After that, I feel like there's a nice little drop off. Um, so if I'm drafting you, Darvish, it would be if I'm punting the SP position. Um, you know, if I'm doing a different strategy, then he would be like the last guy that I would go and get as my comfortable SP one. But more than likely, I would prefer him as an SP two or SP three. Um, and going at this draft price, that would mean I would have to have picked at least one uh, pitcher before the fourth round. Uh, so if I if I pick two, I, I tried that in my very first draft champions. I, I picked three of three of my first four picks were pitchers, and I absolutely hated my team. So I won't be doing that again. <laughs> I did. Um, I did too. I tried that one time, and yeah. I was like, this this isn't working out. My, right. I think my hitter in the middle of the three was uh, Jordan Alvarez or Jordan Alvarez. So oh yeah, just was, lock uh, up that UT spot too yeah. uh, while you're at it. It was not the best strategy in the draft champions league. So yeah, yeah. I tried to one up Toby's pocket aces and go three of a kind <laughs> and it backfired big time. Um, so, so yeah, I'm comfortable with Darvish as my SP one or SP two, uh, but not, you know, not Severino for me. Uh, there's too much injury risk. There's a lot of upside. Yes. And he did actually come back to pitch 
um, you know, towards the end of last season, uh, however minuscule it was. But, you know, there's just too much injury risk uh, for him to be a comfortable guy that I'm picking even over the likes of you, Darvish, uh, over the likes of Zach Grinke, who's going five picks after him, and over the likes of Noah Syndergaard, who I have uh, even above you, Darvish. So uh, there's a lot of concerns with Luis Severino. Um, you know, there's a lot of hoping and praying. Here we are again uh, <laughs> with the Victor Robles uh, talk. But yeah, I, I do not. I would not be comfortable with Luis Severino being my SP1 or SP2 going into the year, especially in a 15-teamer. Well, that's interesting. I, I think um, I, my guess is Zach probably agrees because when we talked about Chris Sale and Max Scherzer, he was off both of them um, pretty hard avoids just because of the injury concern. Do you, do you share that with those two or is Severino kind of a different animal for you? I think Severino is a different animal. Um, whenever you start to look at Chris Sale, if he comes into spring training and is pumping, you know, 94, 95, um, and he looks healthy, uh, I, I would feel a lot more comfortable. But, you know, right now we don't really have that data. Uh, I actually took Chris Sale on my recent OC, which is, of course, a 12-teamer, uh, as my SP1, and I didn't take another one for about seven rounds. So uh, it was a very risky team. Um, would I do it again, especially in a 15-teamer? I don't think so. I think I'm right around uh, the likes of Zach uh, whenever you start to talk about uh, Chris Sale and his vulnerability and injury concern. But whenever you're talking about Max, this is a guy that's already gearing up for the season. Uh, there's been reports that he's he's been throwing for a couple months now. Um, he is a, a surefire competitor, and he's not a guy that you know. If he played for the Dodgers, I don't think they could they could even Dodgeritis him. Uh, I don't think <laughs> that he would even uh, blink at that. I think this is a guy that wants to be out there no matter what. Um, he he played with a back injury where he couldn't even walk the next morning uh, in the playoffs. So um, yeah, he's a guy that. I, I understand the concern, and if everyone around me wants to wants to be concerned about it, that's fine. I'll take the shares. Uh, but with Luis Severino, I think missing a whole year um, due to an injury is is a little bit different than you know performing performing well and just kind of tailing off towards the end due to injury. That's pretty good. Pretty good summary. I, I kind of agree. I mean, like I said, I'm not a hard out on Severino, um, especially if we see good things from him in the spring too. But you're right. Like, I, I think I would prefer even the late fourth for Severino. I think I'd prefer Sale in the early third or uh, Scherzer in the early second or even late first, possibly, although there's some others I would take over him. So I think we're, we're kind of on the same page there. So with that said, um, we are now caught up to 60 again. And of course, you know, with those three, Players moving up, we have uh, Chris Bryant, uh, Eugenio Suarez, and Manny Machado moving down a little. So we'll just we'll just cover them again. I'm not worried about that at all. And so let's get into the next. Um, I'm just going to go through. I'll throw out five guys, and then we can talk about them. So at pick 61, um, uh, on average, the the ADP 61 is Chris Bryant, uh, 62 Eugenio Suarez, 63 Zach Greinke. 64, Josh Hader, and 65, Manny Machado. So anybody in those five that you are either targeting or avoiding? So there are three or, yeah, three that I'm avoiding and two that I'm targeting. Okay. Uh, the three that I'm avoiding are Chris Bryant, um, Josh Hader, and Manny Machado. So I took Chris Bryant in my recent um, online championship, and this was 
my most recent one was the riskiest team I've ever drafted uh, based off of, you know, guys like Chris Bryant being on the team, Chris Sale being my ace. But in a 15-team league with an overall, especially like a main event type league, uh, these are guys that will not be on my team. Um, Chris Bryant has too much of a injury concern, and we have seen one spike season from him. Everything else has been guys that you can get uh, later on in your draft. So that's a guy that I'm, I'm avoiding, um, especially with the uh, the concerns if he's going to play in Chicago. Um, so that kind of also when you when you say uh, injury concern, um, leaving aside the team thing for a moment, mm-hmm. do you? Um, what, when, how do you differentiate? Because obviously anybody can get hurt, but is, right. is it like a soft tissue thing or what, what, what makes it uh, sort of a recurring uh, issue for you? Just, just simply that it's happened more than once or what, how do you draw the line there? Like, for instance, would you say the same about Giancarlo Stanton? Um, I, I think I would. I think they both carry their, their own set of risk um, with Chris Bryant and his, you know, second season, he hit 39 bombs, um, hit 292. And then the next season, he hit 295, but went down to 29 bombs. So since then, it's been kind of progressing down. I know last year, he hit 31 home runs, uh, 282. So it was it was a decent number. But for that price, I'm looking for a guy like the guy going right after him and Eugenio Suarez, a guy that makes a lot of barrel contact. Um has continually gotten better each year. I remember, um, I believe it was last year, he actually missed some time due to, I believe it was a wrist injury, uh, and came back and still almost led the NL in home runs. Uh, So this is a guy that has been continually progressing, plays in a good park, plays in a great lineup. Um, And and whereas with with Chris Bryant, there's a lot of ifs. There's a lot of ifs with Chris Bryant. Um, If he's healthy, then like what is his his full healthy projection season look like does it look like what it did in 2016 or is it more along the lines of what it was in 2017 that's a 10 home run difference um you know about 50 counting stats between runs and rbi difference like that that's a huge thing to have to make up in in the the rest of your draft I completely agree. In fact, when we discussed Chris Bryant, when I had him sorted wrong before, uh, I said the exact thing about uh, it's just a there's just a um, he's you kind of take Chris Bryant to be a steady Eddie. And there's just a little bit of risk there. There's a little bit of 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 downside that you can easily see or point to. Um, He's another guy like um, I forgot who I forgot who I was mentioning earlier, but his expected batting average was not only lower last year, it was significantly lower. And it's almost like it's always lower with him. He, you know, he, it seems like he's lucky or something, but, but no, I, I, you know, there's definitely been ups and downs with him. Um, and it's just, there's a lot of, uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't have the crazy stat cast numbers that make you feel real good. Like, you know, Henio Suarez, you know, 55 barrels last year, like that's getting up there. You know, he's top, top few guys, top, I don't know if it's top 15 or top 20, but he's up there, you know? So anyway, um, totally get where you're coming from on both of those. I would say I'm not a huge target, um, targeting, uh, Eugenio, but I, I get it. And I think I would take him over Bryant for sure. So 
Yeah, um, for Eugenio, it's, it's more team construction. So if you start your draft with a couple speedsters and an SP, well, then you're looking for some power and you need some power real quick. And that's that's where I've ended up with Eugenio Suarez. But whenever I look at Chris Bryant, I see five guys ahead of him that I'd rather have and five guys behind him that I'd rather have uh, at that either corner infield spot uh, or third base spot. So that's kind of where I'm at with Chris Bryant. And then the other two guys I was kind of fading was Josh Hader. I'm not taking a relief pitcher that high. I'm sorry, I can't do it. No matter how great, um, you know, his rates are whenever he goes out and then, you know, strikes out double uh, the amount of innings pitch that he has. Um, you know, that's just something that I just can't swallow. I cannot. Those, uh, those strikeouts are really nice. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but what you're drafting a relief pitcher for is saves. And yep. that is just what it comes down to in five by five roto. And if you're getting a guy in the fourth round or even the early fifth round um, versus, you know, a guy who's going to get you basically the same amount of saves in the 12th round, I, j- I cannot justify that price. I don't care what he does for my ratios. You know, like if I need his, you know, his whip and ERA and strikeouts to, to juice my ratios, then I've messed up somewhere else. So <laughs> I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, you can make up for K's in another place and, and also saves you can wait on. Um, he had 37 saves last year. A guy like Kirby Yates was being drafted in the 20th round, and he had more than him. Um, and like you said, that's what you're that's what you're hoping for whenever you're going for a top-tier closer. So I don't think the gap between his saves and the next guy or the the, the 15th guy is that big of a difference. But That's right. Um, Manny Machado is another guy that I'm out on. Uh, I was in last year. He pretty much burned me. Um, you know, he hit 256, which was really bad. It kind of regressed down to his 2017 numbers. Uh, his 2017 and 2019 kind of looked pretty identical. The same amount of runs, 81 runs, uh, one home run more in 2017. Um, is he an every other year type guy? I don't know. I, I wouldn't think so with a guy this this powerful and this strong and this, uh, this gifted. Um, but, you know, 294 and 16, 297 and 18, 259 and 17, and 256 and 19. I, there's no data. There's no nothing that backs that up, but it does just kind of look weird whenever you, you look at it at face value. But um, I, the second, the short base or the shortstop position eligibility along with third base is nice. Uh, however, there are a few guys after going after his ADP uh, at both positions that I'd rather have. Yeah. The, the only thing, I mean, and this is maybe, um, just sort of trying to fit the narrative, you know, so to speak. But the only thing that does sort of back up his his average coming down, at least this year, is moving out of Camden. You know, I think he really thrived in that part. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know if it's – if he bounces back in the next year. But, I mean, these are his barrels the last uh, – since 2016. So 50 that year, 55 in 2017, 60 in 2018, and 37 in 2019. So he really now, of course, that, you know, the barrels doesn't necessarily have to do with the park. I think, you know, the ball comes off the bat and whether it goes out or not doesn't really have to do with how hard you hit it. But that's kind of another thing in addition to the park for me that that's a sort of at least a yellow flag for Machado. So I have no shares of him either. I I'm not as quite as hard of an out because I still see glimmers of hope but you know i always just find somebody better at this price so i think we're in agreement there uh what about granky did you say 
Uh, I'm actually in on him. Okay. So I'm in on Suarez and I'm in on Granky. Uh, I like Granky as an SP2, and sometimes I'm getting him as late as an SP3 uh, just because of how boring he is, I guess, to, to the rest of the guys that I'm drafting with. Uh, but whenever you look at you know what he can provide you, uh, he can provide you with a lot of good ratios. Um, you know, he's not a, a K guy like he was, um, you know, whenever he won the Cy Young or anything like that. But um, he's a guy that that plays in a good park. He plays uh, for a good team and he should provide, you know, about three, five ERA at the, at the worst and about a one whip, which is really what you're looking for in a SP2 or SP3. If you got, if you draft a guy with a lot of K upside as your SP1, this is a perfect SP2 uh, to pair him with. Yep. I agree. I, I have a couple shares of Granky and he is, um, you kind of have to talk yourself into him maybe, you know, he's a little, <laughs> yeah. he's a little, you know, meat and potatoes, a little boring, but you know, in these, in a 15 team league, a guy who will get you 200 innings and stabilize your ER, not just stabilize, but be a big boon for your ERA and whip, you know, 3.2, 3.3 and a 1.05 or a one. I mean, that's just, that's really going to make a lot of uh, difference in your, in your team con, you know, uh, the way you put your team together. So perfect. Uh, Perfect thing to say about him. Let's let's move on. Let's see if um, we have any hard outs on the next group here. So uh, sixty six, we got Anthony Rizzo. Sixty seven. You uh, how do you say his name? Juan Moncada or Yon? Yon, I think. Okay, I need to get better at pronunciation here. Sixty eight, Cindergard. Sixty nine, Tyler Glass. Now and seventy, Matt Olson. So Rizzo was boring for me. Um, he, he does play a position that, you know, it, it, it gets really thin really quickly. Uh, so I will give him that, but he's a guy that I just haven't really ended up with a lot of, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, Moncada, I don't want to chase last year's stats. And I think picking him this early, you kind of are, I mean, what is the realistic upside, uh, for him this year? If last year he hit 315, had 25 home runs and 10 steals. Uh, I, I don't think that it's that. And and that's pretty much what you're paying for. I know he's 24, um, so there's still a little bit more room to grow. But I would count the or I would bet on the under on average. Um, I would bet on the same home runs and steals. But if you're getting uh, that at a 280 clip, I think you can you know piece that together in a couple positions. So uh, the guy that I am super in on is Thor. It's Noah Syndergaard. Um, the the past few years, he's a guy that has consistently gone. Um, you know, probably top 40 overall. And I've been out just because of how frustrating he's been. Um, and I don't know if it's due to him not really being the guy that everyone hoped he would be um, and he keeps falling down or if it's a lot of attrition from another or the other SPs kind of moving up ahead of him. But I'm here for it. Uh, this is a guy that I would take over you Darvish as my ace if I had to. Uh, but theoretically, he is a perfect uh, SP2 for me. Um, if you get a huge K guy like Garrett Cole or DeGrom or Verlander at the top um, or Snell even, I, I love pairing one of those guys with with Noah Syndergaard. But uh, the one problem with Syndergaard is I think his price right now, 67.75, is going to move up. So I might be priced out of Syndergaard unless I'm the one that's pricing him up. <laughs> All right. So I uh, am pretty much with you on, on Rizzo. It's not a hard avoid for me. It's just I'm, I'm finding other, other guys to get. I do have a couple shares of Rizzo. I mean, the batting average should be there. 
And, you know, I can't bring myself to believe that the 30-ish home runs won't be there. But I can see the concerns. I just, you know, he's just kind of boring, like you said. <laughs> um, I'm going to push back on Moncada, though, because I have recently started accumulating a few shares of Moncada. And the, the you know, I was never a Moncada, Moncada guy. And I, I kind of get what you're saying. It was like, if you if you were kind of following his career, he just sort of looked like a guy that was not going to, you know, translate. And then all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere and he has this crazy BABIP season, right? His BABIP yep. was darn near league leading and you just you just say everybody's like well this is just a simple you know this is simple math right we just regress the BABIP and then he's back to where he was before and I think you know there are a couple things about that so so one is he missed 30 games so the 25 home runs might be a little incognito for what his his real upside is and um, I'm trying to remember when he missed those games yeah, it was in the sort of in the middle of the season. So kind of maybe even, um, you know, hampered his production after he came back. You know, he, he had basically a full September with only three home runs and only two in August and nine games. So you can almost chalk those months up to pretty much being lost. He did hit 412 in <laughs> September, <laughs> but uh, but he was probably still fighting you know, or coming back from the injury. So I tend to, you know, at least favor the first, you know, four months when I'm looking at him and he totaled 20 home runs between, um, between March and July. So I'm like, well, that's, that's not what I remembered about Moncada. And um, so I, I look at his stat cast and I noticed that, you know, his hard hit rate is 47.9% putting him in like the top, you know, 50 or something, you know, echelon, maybe better than that. I'm just sort of going off the cuff here, but also his expected batting average was 291. So that's interesting. I mean, obviously like we knew he, he had some, he got some juice in there from, from a super high BABIP. He wasn't going to hit 315 again, but it is interesting to think about, you know, people just say, well, you're aggressive and he goes way down, but does it go down to where steamer has it? It's 267. Um, you know, I'm not one to argue with the projections too much, but I tend to think it would maybe be between there and the, the 291 that he supposedly earned, if you believe, you know, expected batting average numbers. But the uh, but the 40 he had 44 barrels in just like I said, you know, an abbreviated season, and that hard hit rate um, and a 90.8 average exit velocity, which would put him in the top probably 25 or 30. I apologize if I got any of those numbers wrong, but I think I'm in the ballpark. And so I guess the point is when I look at that and compare it to the last, you know, what he's done in the past, I can, I can buy in a little bit more to the narrative of a 24 year old who's really taking the next step. See, the problem for me is even if I look at steamer, um, it, it, the counting stats are pretty much the same. They're, they're projecting 28 home runs, 12 steals, uh, in what about 18 more games but the main difference is that average it's going from 315 to 267 so if you're telling me i'm going to get the same guy but 50 or 0.05 um, point difference on the average that's a completely different guy that's a guy going i would say probably around pick 100 instead uh instead of going around this range of 65 like if if I'm looking at, you know, a guy like Nicholas Castellanos, who has more average, um, 
he had 27 home runs. He doesn't give you the steals, but the same power, uh, better average, and he's going, you know, at pick 115. So I think know, one that, other one other thing for me is it's 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 very nice just for team construction to get a handful of steals at third base, um, even if it's 10 or 12. Like uh, I think Steamer has 12, and you know I, I'm trying not to sort of also pencil in too much upside from there, but but I do think it's it's not a crazy projection. I think I could see him, you know, at least edging it out a little bit. If not, you know, if the if the power gains are real and if that's a trajectory that he's on you could you could obviously see a lot more than 20 20 whatever home runs but you know that's just sort of like i can sort of justify the pick at the projection but i see a lot of upside for the projection so i don't know we can agree to disagree on that. yeah i mean the speed the speed will always take uh precedence i mean if you if you're drafting him for speed then and your team needs that, then that's that's team-based decision. But if I'm looking at him at his ADP and at at his stat line as a whole, it's not the price that I'm willing to pay for him. Makes sense. So Syndergaard, and then you didn't say Tyler Glass now or Matt Olson. I'm I'm kind of I can understand why people like them. I'm just sort of going elsewhere. Glass now it's the innings and Olson I just um they're just other first basemen that intrigue me more. I mean, he should have a ton of power, but you know, it's going to be two sixty. I don't. I, I feel like there's there's players with a middling average that I can get for power later. Yeah. So for uh, for Tyler Glass now, I was huge on him last year. Uh, unfortunately, the injuries derailed his season and eventually my season. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, in his short stint, he was uh, amazing. I mean, uh, a sub two ERA, but of course, it was only sixty innings. Um, you know, seventy six Ks and in sixty innings is is really nice to see as well. Uh, I'm kind of with you that I think there could be an inning cap. Uh, the way that the Tampa Bay uses their pitchers, I, I think that they could start to use Tyler Glass now in that way, maybe coming in after an opener, uh, which would have, which would help his wins. Um, but I think it would be a little bit frustrating, especially in a roto, um, to know you know when to start him. If he's only doing one start weeks every week, that could be uh, something you know, especially in NFBC where you have to set weekly lineups. That's that's a that's huge um, compared to going, you know, with Thor, who we talked about, or another uh, pitcher coming off the board after him. That's that's a huge, um, you know, advantage that other pitchers have over him if that's how they're definitely going to use him. So, unfortunately, I think the price is a little bit too much for me uh, to pick last now. So I'll probably be out based off of that price. Although I do like the player. Um, and then Matt Olson is a guy that a lot of people are just projecting for a huge season. Um, you know, he had 36 home runs last year in a abbreviated season due to a hammy injury. And after he came after, or after he came back from the hammy injury, he hit the majority of his home runs. I mean, he got, I think he was out after the first series in Japan. So he hit, you know, 36 home runs with a handmade injury. That's really impressive. Uh, but people are projecting him for, you know, 40, 45, like the the new top first baseman coming off the board as, as we talk about, um, you know, 2021. But, you know, I, I really can't see that. Um, you know, it's well, just... Well, and I, I have uh, to mention that Steamer and, and every all the projections I've looked at have him for about a 255 average, you know. And, 
you know, the people, I think some people see the 267 from last year and they think, well, maybe, you know, that was with a handmade injury, you know, it's pretty <laughs> easy to dream on. Uh, let's give him back mo- uh, March or March, April. Um, and then let's say he takes another step forward with the batting average. Now, his, there, there is a slight reason to believe this batting average could be better than the projection. And that is that the, um, uh, expected his expecting batting average was 276 but again you know abbreviated season i don't want to put too much effort or too too much emphasis on um you know what may come next for him so i'm kind of with you i just there's there's something there but i like to have a little bit better idea of what i'm getting so yeah, and you get that by waiting, uh, you know, a couple more rounds at first base, like a, a guy like Jose Abreu, who's going, uh, you know, 12 picks after him. So um, that you know what you're getting with him. Uh, hopefully you're you're able to address the power concern uh, elsewhere instead of taking Matt Olson, because I think penciling him in for 40 home runs is, is a little risky for me. <laughs> Agreed. All right. Well, let me, um, I'm going to rattle off 10 cause that was pick 70. So, uh, you know, we're getting into, you know, I think for me here, if the, this is sort of getting into the range where, um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to start getting my guy, right. Um, if I, if there's a guy in the 70 to 80 range, let's just say that I like, um, or, you know, or two and they fit my team, I'm just going to kind of ignore players that I'm not really. So I'll give you an example. I love Ramon Laureano. He's going 75th. Uh, Goldschmidt is at 72. Um, those aren't the same in the same position, but I'm going to have zero Goldschmidt because at, at that point, uh, you know, n- not that I'm super down on Goldschmidt, but just like I'm going to get my guy there because I, uh, it's close enough and we're high enough in ADP. Maybe, you know, I haven't really thought about it that way, <laughs> but I just, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I think what I'd like to focus on here uh, is if there's anybody you think is just going to completely fail uh, and you, you just, you don't want him anywhere near your team, or if there's a guy for you like Lariano is for me. So um, let me, let me rattle off uh, 71 through 80. We got uh, 71 is Bo Bichette, 72, Paul Goldschmidt, 73, LeMayhew, 74, Tommy Pham, 75, my boy, Laureano, 76, Brandon Woodruff, 77, Trevor Bauer, 78, Jose Abreu, who you just mentioned, uh, 79, James Paxton, and 80, Kirby Yates. So I'm guessing we're both going to be off because this is still pretty early for a <laughs> All right, so give me one target in there and one uh, – you don't have to give me an avoid, but if there's a guy in there that you just think – Ooh, that's dangerous. Then give me give me that guy. Yeah, well, obviously it's Kirby Yates, so we can just kind of cross <laughs> that one off. Um, you know, the funny thing for me is I was looking at these guys, and I'm like, I really don't have any of these guys. Like, why is that? And then I scroll up a little bit, and I'm like, oh, well, Thor goes as late as pick, as pick 78, and that's kind of right in this range. So it's a good in point. This range is, is where I'm usually going with Thor. Um, but you know, to cater, uh, I will uh, <laughs> I will choose uh, Jose Abreu for sure. Um, I have been a guy uh, over at FWFB. I do a podcast with Randy Haynes. Uh, we've done it for about two and a half years now. And he is a guy that has been in love with Jose Abreu. And I have been a hater of Jose Abreu in the past. Um, but I'm coming around to, to loving him. 
Um, you know, he's he's going to be in a really good lineup finally in Chicago. Uh, the counting stats will go up, uh, even, even though he had, you know, 123 RBI last year. That's probably not going to go up. Uh, I, I think that'll go down a little bit. But 33 home runs, 284, like he doesn't hurt you anywhere. Obviously, you're not drafting him for steals, but he doesn't hurt you for runs, home runs, RBI, um, or average. So that's something that's really appealing for me uh, coming this late, and especially at a position of, of need most of the time for me. I don't, I don't like taking a first baseman that early, or earlier, uh, earlier than Jose Abreu. Uh, so he he kind of fits into most of my team's mold uh, whenever I'm looking, you know, at him at this price. And then another guy that I'm infatuated with, but have zero shares of, is Bo Bichette. Um, I, I loved him coming up through the ranks. I thought, you know, once he made it to the big leagues, he's a guy that's going to be uh, t- jumping up, jumping up draft boards. And, and, you know, it already has happened. He's picked 70th overall. Um, he had 11 home runs and four steals and an abbreviated season last year, hit 311. Uh, I think the average is a little rich, um, you know, based off of last year's average. But uh, he's a guy that could push for 2020 season, uh, 20 home runs, 20 steals, and give you, you know, about a 270, 280 average. So, like I said, I'm infatuated with him. Um, I don't know if I'll pay the premium for him, but he's a guy that I am going to be playing, paying close attention to and will get at least one share in one of my main leagues. I like it. Um so I have to agree about Abreu first. Uh, you know, I, I, I actually, I'm not even sure if I have one share. If I do, it's only one. Uh, and that's just because I happen to be getting other first basemen even later or earlier. You know, I have a share of Freddie Freeman or two. Um, you know, so obviously there are first basemen worth paying for. I got Bellinger in a recent um, draft. So, like, obviously that's um, a different way to go completely. But but if you're if you've waited on first baseman and you're sitting here and what are we the sixth round, uh, yeah, I mean Abreu is great. He there's nothing in Statcast that would scare you away. He, he was actually sixth in barrels in the entire league last year, sixty three barrels. So if you you know if you want to believe it, and I'm not one to really believe that he just got unlucky, but. It does seem like there might be positive regression there upwards in home runs because what did he have, 33 home runs or 34? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I mean, typically if a guy's hitting 60-something barrels, he's going to be pushing 40 home runs at least. So, you know, he never has done that. I'm not saying he's about to do that, but he also had the best stat cast numbers of his life. A hard hit rate was, you know, in the top echelon. Uh, his average exit velocity was extremely high. Um, everything was really, really good. So um, without boring you with the, the details, uh, yeah, I like a break. Um, so I would say, you know, I kind of I kind of like Bichette. Like you, I don't have any shares. I'm sort of out on Goldschmidt, like I said, but, you know, I, I wouldn't fault anybody for taking him. I just think there's risk that <clears throat> sort of the decline that we've seen just kind of keeps declining. I mean, he should be good for 30 home runs. He should have good stats. Is his average going to come down a little bit more? I could see it. Probably not. I don't know. I'm finding better options at first base. And, um, uh, you know, LeMahieu's interesting in a draft and hold league because he's <clears throat> eligible at first, second, and third. So that's that could come in pretty handy, but I still have no shares. I got one share of Tommy Pham. Um, Laureano is my guy. So <laughs> um, I'm not going to talk about any of these other people because they're all, they're all okay. I'm not really – 
super avoiding anyone uh, except like you said kirby yates because it's just too early to take a closer for me yeah. but you need you need to call zach uh back on for your loriano talk and y'all could just bro hug it out for oh. like 15 minutes <laughs> i know i know I, he's gonna be mad that i did the loriano uh adp without him but yeah <laughs> but but yeah no i just think loriano has a lot going for him so one one thing that i'm always trying to get uh you know at this point in the draft and really through the 10th round if i can and you know maybe even snagging a couple of guys later is to get players that are that are hitting in the top part of their lineup and loriano you know i'm not sure if he'll hit second or third or you know even if he's fifth i'm, I'm okay with it um i could see it going simeon loriano chapman olsen but that's just uh, neither here nor there. That is key to me, just getting getting those at-bats and having a prime spot because you have great hitters around you and you have guys to drive in and you have guys that are driving you in. And it's the, the A's have a pretty good lineup. And you saw how many runs Simeon uh, got in a season of full health where he played like every game last year. I think he had 120-something runs scored. Um, so, I, you know, obviously you can't – project a perfect you know a season of perfect health but i do think loriana is in a good position to to rack up the counting stats and then as far as the sort of the power speed combo goes um the projections like him a lot they have him for low 20s home runs and a little you know around 15 states uh stolen bases and um i think both of those numbers could push up i mean there's he you know he, he actually had more home runs than that in uh, a season where he missed a bunch of time and um, same with stolen bases. So I, I could see, you know, I could see him pushing for a 30, 20 season or even better. Obviously you don't project that, but um, he's a guy where like, I'm happy with the projection and I can see more. So that's just the kind of guy I like to target. Yeah. I don't really have um, a say about Ramon Laureano. I've been talked more into him than I thought I would in the past, um, you know, just over the past couple of weeks. I still don't have any shares, but I think it's more of the guys that I'm taking around this ADP than not taking Loriano. Um, so I think if I have to nitpick here and, and pick a guy that I don't want, it would be DJ LeMayhew. And the reason I'm nitpicking is because I'm looking at his min pick of 48, and that is scary to me. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm nitpicking. I'm I'm going towards the top end of. of his I think ADP. that's that's a good that's a good call. You know, like if he's going if he's going 48, I think that's I think it's reasonable to be out on him. Um, well, first of all, I want to be in that draft. So that I can get <laughs> right. the people that fall down. But yeah, I mean, I really like this tier. Uh, like I said, I, I'm not really ending up with a lot of these guys because of my Thor love. But uh, I'm perfectly fine with Woodruff going in this range as well as an SP3. Uh, Trevor Bauer as an SP2 or 3 is fine just because of the K upside alone. And Paxton is a guy that's been on a lot of people's bounce back lists. Um, and if he could stay healthy, he could provide, you know, top 50 overall pick, um, you know, stats. And and that could be really nice coming at pick 82. Yeah, agreed. I don't see any any big flags here other than Kirby Yates. Uh just being too early so i agree well let's move on that's that's something you kind of see around this part of the draft i find is like i like this guy I like this guy and i never end up getting any of them because like you said either somebody falls to you or you know you just have your guy that you keep getting so um so let's move on 80 
first in ADP, we have Max Muncy. He's uh, an interesting one. 82, Jorge Soler. 83, Jose Barrios. 84, Marcus Simeon. 85, Luis Robert. 86, Jeff McNeil. 87, Joey Gallo. 88, Tim Anderson. 89, Gary Sanchez. And 90, Matt Chapman. Now, this is a more interesting group. What do you think about these guys? I think it's fitting that you said Jeff McNeil and then Joey Gallo because that's like the perfect pairing <laughs> right there. I mean, if you're on the turn and you can go Jeff McNeil, Joey Gallo, you're getting like, what, 65 home runs, um, probably hitting about 275. Like, that's huge. Um, <laughs> if, if that was one guy, that would be perfect. But, yeah, this, this is an interesting tier. Um, a couple guys that I'll tell you right now that I'm out on, that's Jorge Soler. I'm not chasing uh, what he did last year. We all we have all been waiting for this. Uh, all of our Soler truthers have been waiting for this since 2014, whenever he was with the Cubs, and since 2015, whenever he got, or I believe it was 16, whenever he got dealt to Kansas City. Like we've been waiting for this. Uh, we got it, and it probably won't happen again. So I am out. Well, before you move on to your next person, can I rebuttal on Soler? Of course. So I actually do have quite a bit of Solaire, and um, I haven't. I, I I'm not sure if I'm paying this price. Like I I've not gotten him in the last two or three drafts because I've gotten other guys, maybe Laureano, but or maybe um, you're picking him at 62 as min pick. No, that was not me. <laughs> that was definitely not. There's a lot of good players to get in the fifth round instead of Solaire, but it's at some point um, I do consider Solaire. Um, because I do believe that the power is real. And well, we all know that. We all know the power is real. That's what we've been hoping for. Well, and it's not just the power, though. Um, well, first of all, he did lead the league barrels with 70. Uh, his expected batting average, care to take a guess? Uh, I'm sure if you're hyping him up, it's probably in like the 280 range. <laughs> 277. And yeah. what's interesting about that is I haven't I haven't done the breakdown and the, the expected batting average. But I... Um, I looked at his second half, and we all know how dangerous it can be to overvalue second half stats. So I'm going to try not to do that. But he actually hit 299 in the second half. Like he was, and he was walking 15 to 20 percent of the time. I don't remember exactly, and I'm not going to try to look it up on the fly. But but uh, the improvements that he was making went beyond just okay. He's making a lot of really hard contact with the ball, and we know he's got serious power. Like he showed a little something and I don't want to get too excited about it, which is why I'm trying not to jump him. Yeah. You're pretty excited, but I'm pretty excited. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. So yeah, uh, that's just my rebuttal. I get it. If you're out on him, this is pretty high, but like, I think he could do Nelson Cruz things. Would I take him over Nelson Cruz? Uh, It's tough. It's tough. I haven't had to make that decision yet, actually. Um, well, you you probably could have because Nelson Cruz is going seven picks after him. Well, that's that's actually exactly what's happened. Someone is so I I will take somebody. Let's call it Laureano in the sixth, and then before I get a chance to take Solaire, he's gone, and I end up getting Cruz in the seventh. Which, by the way, taking Cruz in the seventh is amazing. But yeah, it's just gold. But let's just stick on this, and that's enough about Solaire. You don't have to agree with me. Uh, well, I want <laughs> you to compare Solaire and Gallo, and, and try and tell me how they're that much different. Okay. Well, Gallo um, is an interesting compare because he actually made some really good improvements exactly. as well. But Gallo, you know, <laughs> he was he was improving from 200 to 230 or whatever. And Solaire was improving from 
question mark to 270, you know? So, um, and, you know, maybe I give too much credence to the expected batting averages, but uh, Joey Gallo in 2018 actually had a pretty identical expected batting average to what he had in 2019. It was 232 and 229. Um, So with Gallo, I'm trying not to get super excited about the fact that, you know, like, obviously, I, I think I said this on a podcast last year, last season, during the season, I said, you know, if, if Gallo hits 250, I don't have to tell you, you know, he's probably a second or third rounder because he's going to yep. hit 50 plus home runs. And, you know, like the counting stats are going to be Giancarlo Stanton like I I'm not expecting him to hit 250 even. Um, I, I think the projections are pretty reasonable on Gallo. Um, and I think the problem with hitting 230 is just that it hurts you. Uh, obviously, if you're not hitting the ball, you can't hit the ball out. And he's still going to have 40-something home runs, but he's not going to have the counting stats of, you know, a, a typical 40-something home run hitter. So, you know, whereas like uh, – Like Solaire being on one of the worst teams in the in the league? <laughs> well, I mean, Gallo had 40 – uh, and 41 in 2017 and 2018, and he had yeah. he had 80 RBIs and 92 RBIs. Yeah, worst teams. Trust me, I'm I'm a Rangers fan, so this is this uh, is like the perfect one for me. Well, um, okay, I mean, I'm, hold on, I'm gonna rebuttal on Gallo. So he he really did great last year uh, before he got hurt and eventually didn't come back. Um, I was, I was full on, you know, taking Joey Gallo last year. I was expecting, um, you know, to have to make up for the average in some places. So I got a lot of Jeff McNeil. I got a lot of average guys and I called it the Gallo pillow. I need Gallo's power laying on perfect average guys pillow. Um, Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. So, now I look at some of the gains that Gallo had last year and his walk rate went up 5%. And that's, that's huge for a guy like Gallo. I know that he was, you know, one of the best hitters in that lineup, but that tells me that his batting eye got a little bit better. And 5% is, is pretty big over about 300 plate appearances. So um, although his K percentage went up, uh, I completely understand that. I can I understand that argument, but well, you know uh, what happened is he decided he was going to swing a lot less. So Gallo's yeah. swing rate, the in 2017 and 2018, where it was 47 percent and 48 percent. In 2019, he swung less than 41 percent of the time. So he was walking more, he was striking out more, he was watching the ball fly by more. And he was also on pace to hit 50 home runs. And his average got better. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really... You're making my case for me, Drew. No, I realize it's, it's, it's really interesting to think about what he could do. Uh, I, I just don't... I think the 253 average is a mirage. Like, that, you know, the expected average being lower, you know, significantly lower than that. And the fact that, you know, you really can't... I mean, you really can't just swing less and something really changes you know i mean obviously you can walk more um but i i I don't have a good enough reason to believe that he's going to hit more than he's hit in the past and even if he does you know that could mean 225 or 230 you know that's an improvement for him because he was hitting below 210 for the last um two full seasons he had so you know I, I, I'm perfectly willing to be wrong, but there's just not enough there for me to latch on to that I'm ready to bet on it at this point in the draft. 
So all this being uh, said, I'm not even like super in on Joey Gallo. I just <laughs> I, 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 I can't really compare Gallo to Solaire because Solaire is a guy that's probably completely off my board. Um, he's a guy that I, I really have no interest in, in buying. Um, I'm buying the the tip top of his projections and the tip top of his probably his best season uh, of his career. I mean, well, well that point, uh, home runs. both of those points I will give you, obviously um, you can't expect him to hit 48 home runs again. You can't expect him to, you know, I think he had for some reason his, his fan graphs page is not working right now, but he had a ton of RBIs. Even I closed the, the fan page on him. You're not allowed to look at him. Uh, so I will gonna... win this argument. <laughs> no, 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 no. We will, we will, we will let it go because I want to give you. I will give you a uh, point in, on your side of the argument. Um, <laughs> to to it will be my last thing I say about Solaire, and that is you are correct about the projection. Like the projection has got him for 35 home runs or something like that. So he's not. Um, he's he's definitely being regressed from last year. And, and you're if paying you take him, yeah, home runs. Exactly. If you take him here, you're ex- not maybe not 48, but you're paying for more than the projection, clearly, right. like a lot more. And and so, um, so yeah, you have to, you really have to sort of stake your claim. And the thing is, you know, I've probably taken him in the sixth round somewhere. I mean, I'm probably guilty of that. I think he's gotten a little bit higher than he should be because there are guys later. He's 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 an outfielder, you know, like there's not like some great, like he's not drawing you in with power at second base or something. Right. So, you know, uh, there, I just took Schwarber in a draft, you know, like I'm, he's another option, 70 picks later almost. So this may be a little high for Solaire. I'll, I'll give you that. Okay. So after all that, my, the second <laughs> guy that is on my do not draft list is the only pitcher in this tier. And that's Jose Barrios. Uh, I think he's boring. I think you can find guys like him, a hundred picks later, um, you're pretty much paying for the name. And possibly, if you want to go this argument, which would probably be a dark path for you, you're paying for the wins. Um, he's on a good team. He has that going for him, but that's about it. I completely agree. The, the strikeouts are not, um, you know, what you're hoping. You, you're, you're paying for volume. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can cobble it together much, much later. You can get it a hundred picks later with a, with a you know, a decent guy. Um, I, I really don't understand this pro on Barrios. Speaking of pitchers, where do you stand on the two aces thing? The sort of that the Toby of bat flip, flip crazy has sort of propagated throughout <laughs> baseball um, Twitter and such. Do you do you buy into that, or do you just typically get get your pitchers whenever you see the value? I love the strategy in a twelve team league. Um, oh, I've tried perfect. it in a fifteen team league, and I hate. I hate my offense um, and I hate having to pass on some of the pitchers that I like because I'm chasing that offense that I need. I got um, you. You'd rather, yeah. st- you'd rather shoot your shot at the pitchers that, you know, uh, I think you said Woodruff earlier and, you know, get him avoid Barrios and you think you'll be right more than you're not. Yeah. And yeah. it also depends on, on the board. Like you said, it depends on who's falling to you. So I, I remember in a draft recently, I started off Garrett Cole, I went a couple hitters in a row, and then Patrick Corbin was staring me in the face face in the fourth round, and that's like the drop-off of a tier after Patrick Corbin. Um, it, I, I consider Corbin a SP1, and to get him in the fourth round as my SP2, I thought was too far to uh, – or too much that I couldn't take it. So it, it, it does come down to you know how the draft is flowing, but 
in all reality, I do not want to start off a 15-team league, even if I'm on the turn, uh, SPSP. Cool. So that's Solaire and Berrios is avoids for sure. Any yep. more avoids in this group? Um, Gary Sanchez, uh, no interest in taking a catcher that high. Even Raul Muto is too high for me, so I am completely out on them. Uh, a couple guys that I do like, um, Simeon, uh, another guy who's out on uh, as recently as last year. Um, you know, he, he completely broke out and everything looks sustainable, uh, except for the home runs. I think you can, you know, dock him for about eight or so, give him 25, a uh, 25, 10 and 285 is still really valuable, especially at shortstop. Uh, I haven't really ended up with many shares of him, but I'm not opposed to getting him. I also like Tim Anderson and, uh, let me see, oh, Matt Chapman. I think that Matt Chapman is falling. He's, he's been falling in a lot of drafts. This is a guy with an, an ADP around 89, and I've consistently seen him past 100. And if I can get Matt Chapman past 100 with the power that he provides and um, you know the, the possibility of better than a 250 average, which is what he had last year, uh, I think he's more of a 260, 270 guy, which doesn't hurt you at all. Uh, the 250, 240 range definitely hurts you, but um yeah i'm perfectly fine with all those guys i think that's that's a pretty good uh target list so i guess for me in this group i already talked about solaire uh you know there's no more solaire talk (laughs) Simeon is an interesting guy um yeah i i agree i'm not really sure the 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 power i mean he, he really did um take it to the next level in a way that i don't think anybody could have seen coming Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I mean he's he hits the ball very hard, but not he's not in the top you know top fifty or anything like that. Um, he did have forty seven barrels, but those can be streaky. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know what to think about Simeon. I, I actually have gotten him once or twice, but it's been much later than his his ADP. He does tend to fall, so that's interesting. Um, I would say if I had to pick a guy, and I love Tim Anderson too, so I'm with you on that. For, for a guy that I'm just completely out on uh, at this price, um, you know, I already said my thing about I'll, – I'll agree with you actually on Gary Sanchez. I just, I just don't think um, he's going to return that much value. The, the thing is, you know, he – being a catcher, you know, he, he tends to not um, – be in the lineup for, you know, just get stinged up. Something happens. He's, he's a big guy, you know, and, you know, you take a lot of punishment on your body when you're a catcher. He tends to not have the counting stats he would otherwise have with his crazy amount of home runs. Like he's going to hit a crazy amount of home runs unless he just misses way too much time. And, but he's going to have, you know, it's just not going to be worth the pressure paying for it here. And you're not getting, you know, any average to go with it. So I'm, I'm out on him with you. I agree with that. Uh, yeah. I th- we have to talk about Luis Robert, Robert, <laughs> uh, how he pronounces his name. I really, it's funny, you know, like I, I have heard plenty of times that it's Luis Robert, yep. but I can't bring myself to say on the first try. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so weird, but I'm going to try to do better. But anyway, what do you think? Um, I mean, so obviously he's a guy where you're looking for like a 2020, with upside, you know, 25, 25 or something crazy like that. The average is a complete question mark, in my opinion. Like, I, I know the projections have him. I think Steamer has him for 273 
and uh, ATC has him for like 265. So that's killing you for sure. Um, it's actually decent, but like, what do you think? Is he going to, is he going to actually do that? Because I, because for the profile of the guy that I'm looking for here, uh, like, why wouldn't you just go Tim Anderson a couple of picks later? You know, like you're going to actually get a good average. that's probably going to help you. And shortstop is more valuable than out, an outfielder, um, you know, for you're going to get, you're going to have better options at outfield later. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying I'm completely out on Robert. I've got him on a couple teams, but I don't, I don't know how I'm taking him over a guy like Tim Anderson. Yeah, I have uh, zero shares as of now. Um, I do not believe that he is a 270, 260 hitter, especially not in the first year of, of the majors for him. Um, I think he is going to underperform. Um, however, in one category, he's a guy that you can draft him for, and that steals. Uh, there's there's not too many guys after this ADP that can provide you with those steals and still be middling to beneficial in home runs, RBIs, runs, and average. Um, so I, I know that's why he's being pushed up, and it's because of steals. And I completely understand it because after you get past him, there's not too many guys that, that can provide what he can on the base paths. So if my team allows it or if my team needs it, I have no problem with taking him. Um, but I'm not going out of my way and saying this is a guy that I completely believe in. Uh, I can't pass up the value here. And I'm getting a steal at whatever his pick is. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's pretty fair. I think I would agree with almost all that. I, I think I have him. I, I don't know if I've taken him in the sixth round. I know I got him much later, earlier. And so I kind of was like, well, I've got my shares, whatever. I think I got him in the seventh round fairly recently. This is an arrow that's pointing up, though. So he's going to be... Oh yeah. In the fifth round soon, he may creep into the fourth round before it's all yeah. said. In an overall competition, he's going to be pushing up that fourth, fifth round. So I, I would just recommend that people have targets. It doesn't have to be Tim, Tim Anderson, you know, Ramon Laureano, any, anybody who, you know, and, and some of these guys may get pushed up too, but um, have your guys that you're willing to take over Luis Robert, because he's going to be too expensive. And, you know, like it kind of worked out for me to take, uh, Victor Robles last year in like the fifth round, but um, it kind of you know like that's sort of I guess what I would be expecting, uh, and it just sort of remembering last season it was it was sort of demoralizing to own Victor Robles at certain times because you can't take mm-hmm. him out because you've got him in there because you're hoping he can get you forty steals or whatever, and he ended up with twenty eight, so it kind of worked out. But like that's that's it. That's what you're 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 pining on those. You're pining for those steals, and if you don't get them, uh, and I'm not saying that there's a chance Luis Robert wouldn't get steals. I think he's super fast. I think he's going to do fine. But like that's that's the only reason you enjoy watching your your lineup uh, with him in it is if he's getting those steals. And so you got to be really. Um, it's just it's it's not an easy thing to own, especially when you're looking at your fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. for worse so all right just because i'm selfish i want to go through around uh one more round so we can get get three in uh i, I don't want to make this quite as long as my last podcast but um so i'm going to rattle off the whole round if that's okay with you um so we that matt chapman was pick 90 so i'm going to go through pick 105 that's the seventh round so uh, it should to oh yeah 105 yeah that'll work so or do 106 for me just just for me do what do uh, do it through 106 for me. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> Will do. I can see why. All right. So pick 91 is Aroldis Chapman. We don't have to talk about him. <laughs> uh, pick 92, Josh Bell. Pick 93, Nelson Cruz. Pick 94, uh, Roberto Asuna. We don't have to talk about him. <laughs> Actually, we might. Okay, okay. So maybe this is getting into the range. Uh, seventh round. Uh, 95, Correa. 96, Eddie Rosario. 97, Sonny Gray. 98, Grandal. 99, Soroka. 100, Corey Kluber. 101, Oscar Mercado. 102, Marcelo Zuna. That's going up. <laughs> 103, Denelson Lamette. 104, Carlos Carrasco. 105, Mike Moustakas. And 106, just for you, Josh Donaldson. So... I think, oh, I think I know. I love this range. I love it. I think I know one of your targets here. Um, maybe tell me a guy that you're that you think is is going to kill teams who take him in in this round. Ooh, uh, hmm, that's an interesting question. Um, I think Kluber is that guy. Yeah, Kluber's coming with a lot of danger. I think people are yeah. saying, well, as long as he's healthy whatever but like he was not great last yeah, season he was before. healthy before he got hurt and he was not very good and honestly it's just a it's a pitcher profile that carries a lot of risk you know it's mm -hmm. not a guy who's who's ever been great at strikeouts it's a guy who knows how to pitch and that's going to get to him as far as it gets him and we don't know if it's going to last one more season or come back i guess we should say but like yeah i'm not betting on it here and the, i mean i'm hoping for it as a rangers fan but not as a fantasy owner it, i'm not expecting it it would be fun but it's it's not something i'd bet on so i guess we agree there the guy that i was sort of well you know i mean it really is sort of the the relief pitchers that i'm i'm not taking here um, as far as hitters pretty much okay with most of these guys. I, I will say that I'm out on Grandal. Um, it's, it's not that he's not a great catcher option. It's just that at this price, I can't, I can't buy in with the, you know, when it's strapped to a 240 average, I'll just, I'll just wait and I'll sacrifice a few of the home runs that he's likely going to have and decent counting stats for a catcher. I just, I'm just kind of out on Grandal. It's not, it's not so much of a, He'll kill you, but it's just uh, I'd rather take somebody else here. And I also am just sort of not betting on the come with Carlos Correa. But that's that's sort of a personal preference thing. I just, you know, he's got plenty of skill, can't stay healthy. Um, and, you know, some of his numbers have fluctuated. And I just, am, am, just want to see it, you know, at this point before I pay for that. Plus, look at all these great targets here. So. Well, the one thing I will say about Correa is there's a 60-pick difference between his min and max pick. Wow. There have been many instances where he is still there a round or two after his ADP. Um, and that that's where it gets a little difficult for me because I'm right there with you at this price. In this range of, of players that you just went over, he is not cracking probably even the top you know, eight or ten. Um, but whenever you start to talk about him at, at pick 131, you're talking about him or Eduardo Escobar or Kevin Biggio or Tommy Edmond. Like that makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, so, so yeah, I'm right there with you about this ADP for him. Uh, it's scary to take him that high, but if he's still there, 30 picks, 40 picks after that, then my eyebrow is definitely raised. Great point. Very, very good point because. 
Yeah, you're 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 betting on upside, and when you have, you know, this is not going to last. But when you have Marcelo Zuna going a few picks later, you don't bet on. There's no reason to bet on the upside on Correa, right? You take Ozuna. You take you take a, a guy that you feel is is going to um, have a much better chance of reaching the upside. Maybe even your boy at 106 there, but hmm. but um, but yeah, at some point. Like you said, when you're when you're making a choice between a guy with the upside of Carlos Correa and a bunch of guys who are getting closer to replacement value in like a twelve team, you know, there's there's still valuable players, but they're not going to change your life. Maybe it's it's time to take that stab at Correa. So that's that's a good word. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we also we also talked about Araldis Chapman. We're both out on, but Roberto Azuna is a guy that I'm actually kind of in on. I have three shares of him so far, and he has been a elite closer, and he hasn't really been paid for like one. Um, you know, this is the what fifth or fourth or fifth closer off the board in Ozuna. And in the past, especially in draft champions and in my main event leagues, I have waited on closer just a little bit too long. And I say, oh, okay, I'm just going to play the waiver wire game. And, um, you know, it, it usually works out for people. They can pick up Taylor Rogers and they can pick up, you know, you know, pop up guys like Kirby Yates or, or Ian Kennedy like and Russell yeah, Robles. Exactly. But I'm the guy that picks up the the backup for Liam Hendricks. And I'm like, oh, Liam Hendricks is not going to do anything. Like, come on. It's yeah. Liam Hendricks. Yeah. So um, I, I'm actually starting to come around to the fact to get me a, a rock um, and then, you know, just kind of spec it on, on the second uh, closer. So he's a guy that I kind of like going in this tier but i think the rest of them that i like are going to be hitters i gotcha well for me um my closer strategy in draft champions which worked pretty well last year i actually get i actually try to get three in the teens because it's they're so cheap at that point you're not giving up much and uh so i'll just take two guys that i'm you know, 99% sure, or at least going to start the season with the job. Yeah. <laughs> Whether I don't know if those guys exist. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe 99 is too, too high. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they're going to at least start with the job, but, you know, who knows if they're going to no, – you can never say that anybody's going to keep it. And then, um, you know, a guy like maybe Oberg that uh, it's, 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 a, it's, it's sort of more, of more of a hope than a – than a confident thing, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean like that just tends to work for me and you, you know, with draft champions, it's different. So we won't, we don't have to go down the closer road. So, so you're, so you're avoiding, um, you really just mostly, uh, the other, the other closers, uh, Chapman, did you say a hitter that you're avoiding? Um, a hitter that I'm avoiding in this tier and not really avoiding though. There may I mean, not be one. Yeah. Yeah. Avoiding is kind of the wrong word. Well, I think, Oh, go ahead. There's a lot. There's a lot of guys that I'm ending up with more than Oscar Mercado. Yeah. Not saying that I don't like him. Um, I agree, and I think you know he's he's pushed up a little bit, but I, he's almost kind of settled. And so it, you know, it's possible that I I end up because this is so 105 is the end of the seventh round. He's going 101. You know, if if he's at the end and I need the speed, or if he drops to the eighth round. Maybe that's not a terrible spot. You know, what I was worried about was Oscar Mercado in the sixth round and then the fifth round. And then, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm running into the same thing I had with Victor Robles last year where it's just <laughs> like, 
okay, do I really want to spend my fifth round pick on a guy that I'm just hoping gets me 30 steals? You know? Yeah, and I don't know if his upside is Victor Robles' upside either. I don't know. Yeah, I really, you know, it's uh, he's, he's definitely not the prospect Robles was, um, and I don't know if he has as much power. Um, he's a burner, but, like, yeah, he just – I want a more complete player this early in a draft. So, yeah. so, but maybe, you know, it, this is, this is close to a decent value, but, but I'm with you. There's not any hard avoid. So let's talk about your targets here. Yeah. Let's talk about the players I love in this tier. And there are four of them. Um, Nelson Cruz, obviously. Now, whenever you talk about Nelson Cruz, this ADP is really skewed. Um, his, his min pick is 46. Max pick is 115. Wow. If you're, if your min pick is 46, um, you're probably going to be creeping up into about the 60 ADP range. And I, I completely agree with that type of range for him. He is a fourth-round hitter uh, pretty much every day of the week. Um, he has continued to do it week in and week out, uh, year in and year out. And I, until he falls off that proverbial cliff, uh, he will be on my team. So there's so. a little ageism here, but it's mostly just the UTEL only. Uh, so yep. We're looking at draft champions leagues. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think we have to pretty much throw that out uh, when we're planning for like main events and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm with I you mean, though. Oh. He's, he's a, I mean, <laughs> if you get him here, just put him in your UTEL spot, you know, yeah. just do it. Right. He's great. All, all four of these guys that I'm going to talk about though, I, I do not see them being at this ADP. No. Uh, I really don't. Um, should I save Marcel? No, I can't save him. Uh, Marcelo Zuna is my next guy. And uh, I, I sparked a pretty good Twitter conversation. Uh, I believe it was the day he signed with the Braves uh, about where I would take Ozuna in a draft. Um, and, and the guys that I would take him over were the likes of Joey Gallo, who we talked about, um, Eddie Rosario, who's going in this tier, um, Solaire. Moriano, Solaire. Oh, my gosh. McNeil, yeah. So I am huge on Marcelo Zuna. Uh, going to Atlanta was one of the best uh, situations for him to go to. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, the counting stats are going to be there, no doubt. Um, he has lineup protection. He is on pay, or he is he's projected to at least for me and my projections, and these are mostly eyeball. But I would put him at like thirty-five home runs, a hundred, a hundred. And about a 260 to 280, and that's just that's huge. Um, that's huge, especially at this price. Like, uh, I will continue to pay the post 100 price until he creeps into the top 80 price, and I still might pay that. I'm not going to argue with any of that. Did you did you say how many home runs? Uh, 35. 35. I would say like 3500 100. 280 average. Well, it might it might uh, interest you to know that his expected batting average last year was 288. So he he was one of the biggest underperformers in all of baseball. The year Mm -hmm. before that, 291. The year before that, 287, 278, 272, way back in 2015. He is a a good hitter. You know, unless he gets colossally unlucky again, he's going to hit for a decent uh, to very good average. And, yeah, there's really no knocks I can say against him. And that landing spot is just perfect so i'm actually with you on him the only player that you mentioned that i wouldn't take him over is loriana is loriana because i'm in love with loriana yeah like that's (laughs) that's my guy so but 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 i i could totally see uh at least for now uh as long as as azuna doesn't creep into the fifth round i could see grabbing loriano and him on the five six turn or something like that that would be just lovely so, yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm with you on all of that. I would even take him over Solaire, I think. Um, 
so that's two. Yeah, I got two more. Zuna. I bet I know one of them's Donaldson. It's got to be. Yeah. Uh, what's uh, Mustakas? Yes, that's Mustakas. Right, so let's, let's I was I was huge on Mustakas last year. Uh, I loved the value. I thought you know staying in Milwaukee was was great for him. Uh, obviously, he didn't have as good of a season, uh, but he still had 28 bombs, uh, 251, just your typical power guy. But uh, or actually, last year was 35 home runs, 254. Sorry, I was looking at 2018. Um, so so yeah, that was a huge season for him. You got him in a nice value. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think this price will stay the same. This is a guy that plays second base. He's second base eligible. Yeah, um, he's going key. to play second base most of the season, and he's going to Great American Ballpark. Like. There is no other place that he could have signed that is better. Uh, this this is this is huge for his value. I mean, if I can get him post one hundred, I'm taking him every time. Uh, he can play corner, middle, second, or third, which is huge for lineup construction as well. And I don't care if you know I have to pay. I I think I would take him over Ozuna. Like that's how much I love him. Wow. So are you yeah. taking him at his? Price creeps up to the like the sixth round, and he's like, um, you know, eighty fifth. Muncie, would you take him eighty fifth overall? Like, if if let's players notwithstanding, let's say all your other targets were gone, mm-hmm. I mean, would you take him or would you go a different direction at that point? I'm pretty sure I have already taken him at that ADP. Wow, so you are in all the way. Yes, and all the way so on the him. So the batting average doesn't bother you. Like the just the idea that he's. I mean, I think he's kind of a two sixty hitter, maybe. Yeah, no, that doesn't bother me. Whenever I'm getting thirty to forty home runs from like, a from a second baseman, no less. Yeah, I mean, I, I bake that in. If you're a power hitter and that is your calling card, and you know you're hitting two sixty, like that's fine. I can I can make up for that elsewhere. Um, but yeah, the hardest part for me is going to be deciphering between him and Donaldson. Because speaking of one of the best landing spots for someone, uh, <laughs> Donaldson twins. going to Minnesota yeah. was insane for me. Like it, it pretty much blew my mind. Yeah. Um, I- slotting him in between guys like Nelson Cruz and Eddie Rosario, and you know that that whole offense is insane. Um, yeah, I you couldn't am, pick a better all spot in. if you were if you're trying to just place him into a, a lineup that you thought would be the best possible one. Right. It's even better than Atlanta where he was last year. <laughs> so I mean if if you if you look at his last year's stats, I mean 37 home runs, 94 RBI, uh, 96 runs, 260 average, like you can up those RBI and runs 10, 15. Uh, home runs probably get him into about the 42 range. Like I can see all of those being not only projections, but realistic, you know, counting stat marks for him uh, going to Minnesota. Wow. Well, I'm not going to argue about Donaldson. I think, I think you're right. I think, you know, you just look at what he did last season. And is there any reason to think that he doesn't just do it again? So there will be the people that play the injury card and I hope I'm in their league. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Agreed. Well, uh, I, I, I keep saying uh, let's uh, let's press on and, and go faster. I think uh, you and I went just about the same time Zach and I went. <laughs> we got our three rounds, and we even got uh, one to grow on with Josh Donaldson. So yeah. I just really appreciate you uh, helping me go through this, man. I mean, it's, I think this is great stuff because you know I always learn something when I when I 
talk like this with other, you know, baseball nerds or baseball minds or however you want to <laughs> call yourself. But, uh, but I, um, you know, I definitely listen to the feedback and the, and the, uh, when we can sort of disagree on somebody, you know, always sparks me to look at something new. So, so I love that. I appreciate you be, being a willing guinea pig. Oh, of course. Yeah. Thanks so much for the invite. Uh, I hope you get less shares of Solaire because of me. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, is there anything you'd like to say to the audience or to just to plug before you go? Is there anything you're working on? Um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at SeaWeatherWax13. Um, I do a lot of podcasts over at Friends of Fantasy Benefits. Um, I usually do at least one a week there. I don't do too many podcasts over at Petrolist, but I am going to do a fab article every week, uh, more NFBC centric. So 12 to 15 team leagues uh, over at pitcher list. I'm really excited to get that going. Um, So other than that, no, yeah, just, just follow me. If you want to see a lot of draft boards, a lot of bold (laughs) takes and a lot of retweets from podcasts pretty much. Just join a draft at the NFBC and Colin's probably in it. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's probably the easiest way to find any night other than tonight. Yes. Well, thanks again, man. I really enjoyed the the conversation and uh, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, So that'll do it. it. Thanks. Oh, thank you. That'll do it for uh, today on common sense, fantasy baseball. Um, I'm, I'm uh, on Twitter at common sense FBB. Thanks for listening. And as always stay classy planet baseball.